I was in Nashville, Tennessee last week, and after the show I went to a Waffle House, right? And I'm sitting there and I'm eating and I'm reading a book. I don't know anybody, I'm alone. I'm eating and I'm reading a book. And this waitress comes over to me. What's you reading for? I said, wow, I've never been asked that. Not what am I reading, but what am I reading for? Well, God damn it, you stumped me. I guess I read for a lot of reasons, but the main one is so I don't end up being a waffle waitress. It's time for another episode of... 252. With your hosts, Ralphie D. and Frank G. Featuring Professor Pat, Lady J, and introducing Kuwata Kurt. Start us off with a completely random opening line, Kurt. I'll give you a couple Orange Julius for a couple of soft serves. <laughs> and that's not a euphemism either. All we were doing was trading... Uh, Orange Julius's for yogurt at the end of the night. Manager calls me in and, uh, the next day. Uh, yeah, uh, I heard that you were giving away. I was like, no, that was stuff that we were going to throw away. Yeah, well, I got to fire you anyway, or you can quit. And I was like, okay, I quit. You're fired. <laughs> no, I, I quit. That was some bullshit. Yeah, but nothing like getting fired. Get fired all yeah, the time. It doesn't matter. What what saying? Saying? Especially when you're kids, they used to do that to you all the time, you know. Sometimes the reason for is what bothers me. Like when I used to work at the movie theater, I got fired for something that was just stupid. I was like, I can't believe this is what I'm getting fired for. I mean, this is my own personal playground. Do you know I come in here in the middle of the night with all of my friends, and we watch whatever the hell we want. <laughs> I've had sex in every auditorium here, not to mention upstairs and in the projectionist room. And you're going to fire me over some paperwork? <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't believe it. They asked for my keys and everything. And I was like, are you serious? It was cool because everybody kept their mouth shut. Like nobody, yeah. nobody ratted me out. It got bad. I was like doing stuff in the upstairs in the office. Uh, things that I probably shouldn't have been doing. But uh, yeah. then the guys would want to come in. Yeah, while he's upstairs in the office doing whatever he's doing, I'm downstairs cutting the front line. Actually, first, getting into the movie theater for free, then cutting in front of people that are waiting for their concessions and uh, bringing a pitcher from home, a Kool-Aid pitcher from home, and <laughs> reaching behind the counter to fill it up. What it got really bad is like up in the stairs in the office, there was this little window that looked down into the lobby. And when uh, the guys, when Ralphie and Pup and, and the guys would come in, I would actually take the, um, the keys to the uh, video game uh, change box <laughs> and I would throw it down to them so they could open up and hit the little slot for however many credits they want on the game. <laughs> I'm like, I'm busy up here. I can't come down. You guys just go ahead and do it. <laughs> I'm a running gun champ. Keep the window open so when you're done, just throw the keys back up into the window. I can I'm busy up shot there. Too. I'm doing stuff. Handing over the joystick to a kid. Hey, kid, there's still 19 credits on this game. I got a movie I got to make real quick. <laughs> go ahead. You can take that. Nice. Yeah, that kid was probably happy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. One of the things that shocked me, and I, I'm surprised I actually didn't get fired for this, but when corporate came down and they, they brought me in for the sexual harassment thing, I remember 
it was funny because they they did this thing where it was like they wouldn't tell me who brought me up on these charges. So I got a list like every female employee, and I'm going down the list. Well, then was it her? And they're like, no, was it her? And I'm thinking to myself, of all the people that I could possibly, because see, this is like again, you're talking the early '90s, and I didn't really know all the rules for sexual harassment. <laughs> I mean, it's not like it is today. Like today, you, you pretty much know what you can and what you can't do. Now, I knew that there were certain right. things that I was doing that I really shouldn't have been doing, but I thought it was more frowned upon than actual, like, you can't do this. <laughs> uh, wait, let's have a small caveat and say that these things were all consensual, right? Exactly, yes. <laughs> yeah. They were all okay. consensual. That's why I was, that was shocked. <laughs> I was like, what? So you can't get blown in here? <laughs> I was like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> so I remember sitting here and I'm going through and I'm like, all right, is it this person? Because I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, maybe I did something, maybe a joke, maybe I took something too far with some of these people and I thought it was all good. Maybe they really was offended. And they're going through and it's none of these people. So finally, I get to the person that I'm actively having a sexual relationship with. So when I finally said her name, I was like, well, is it this person here? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. And I'm like, what? I was like, we did it over here. We did it over here. I was like, well, at what point was she upset? And so they were really looking at me because I, I also, I was, I was too young to realize that Everything that I was saying was really, really bad. I was just <laughs> de defending the point he that himself out. Yeah, I was just, I was just really, I was just really on the point that all of this stuff, like I, because at that point to me, all sexual harassment meant was they said no to something I was doing, <laughs> and I was just giving examples of all the time she said yes. So <laughs> if. Eh, if any of that is wrong, <laughs> then I don't want to be right. That's where I was, you know. So, and then I found I had to sign this paper about <laughs> conduct unbecoming in the workplace. And I mean, literally everything I did was on that list. It was like, you can't do this, you can't do this. And I was He's just like, scanning down the paper, I can't do this. <laughs> I was like, wait, <laughs> this I can't do. I was like, wow. And so, of course, because I spilled the beans, this girl gets upset with me because, of course, then they have to bring her in for conduct and coming in the workplace. And she was like, why did you tell them all this? I'm like, if you had a problem, you should have came to me first. Why you take it to, to HR? You know, you should have came to me because all of our stuff was in the past. We were officially not doing anything anymore. So I was like shocked. Wow. 20 years ago, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's shocking, like I said, the sexual harassment laws, how they've matured over the years. I know now that all of that was wrong. <laughs> and because I had to go to, a, I was at another job where they had to put me in another sexual harassment uh, course. And because um, again, about the like, mandatory, the mandatory one, <laughs> or did you get caught up in a case? <laughs> yeah, the mandatory one that I had to go to. <laughs> I was just like, I knew sexual stuff because of the thing that happened before. I mean, I know I can't have my dick out at the job. Like, I know that's wrong. Like, I'm glad I can't they put that on a paper so we could understand that. That's not. I, I knew that that was just like wrong. a little diagram with a circle and a slash with a dick in the middle. <laughs> she says it's okay. It's not okay. 
Now you're telling me some brand new rules. Like I was all under the old rules that if they say it's okay, that's consensual. That means it's okay. But you're telling me even if they say it's okay, it's not okay. So I was like, all right, I got it. Not okay. So then I go to this other job and I'm doing some stuff. End up going to another one of these mandatory <laughs> sexual harassment. And now it's like pretty much everything that I say. It's like now it's not that's not just the fact that I can't actually fuck a girl at the job. Now I can't even talk about fucking a girl at the job. <laughs> it's like the, 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 kidding me. What kind of rule is this? I was like, that's just not fair. Saying you're going to do it is the same thing as doing, basically. All my firings have uh, not been justified, but I mean, <laughs> never for any sexual misconduct, I'll tell you that. I got bored yesterday, so I started looking up at Castle Wolfenstein. Cool. And uh, I guess there, I couldn't get to the right emulator, but I guess there's pretty much like every old video game you could pretty much play online. Oh, yeah. Well, you can also get them and just play them on your machine, too. But a lot of that stuff, there's assorted sites you can go and run, like Java emulators and stuff now. Okay. Okay. So, what are you trying to get on the the Apple version? or? Um. Well, no, we've got a PC, so... No, but I mean, are you trying to run the old Apple II Wolfenstein, or... Oh, um, I, didn't, I wasn't really aware if there were any differences between... Apple or the uh, the PC version. Okay, so yeah, you're looking for the the vintage like eighty four, eighty five version, not like the you know in ninety one it became three D and now it's like a you know major motion picture when they put out a Wolfenstein game. So. Right. No, I remember. So when I was in the army, my buddy got huge into first person shooters. Right, and that's right. when Doom first came out. Or oh yeah. Did Doom. Doom came after Wolfenstein 3D, right? Yeah, just a little bit. Right. Uh, so anyway, I couldn't stand Doom. It made me so sick. Uh, <laughs> well, and that shows you just how old I became, like in my 20s. I was looking at that game going, this is lame, you know? That's how I immediately aged, like the second I graduated from high school. <laughs> I had a lot of friends that used to play that, and I could never watch it because it, oh, it just... Made me ill watching this bit. video I game. Played horrible. through all of Wolfenstein, and I thought those were. I actually registered that. That's back when like shareware was download the first one and pay for the rest. You know, I actually paid for that and played all of Wolfenstein. But then when Doom came out, it was pretty much the same thing, only with different. You know, a different story and different bad guys and whatever. Doom wasn't as cool. All the voices were like, you know, just monsters and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it was a monster roar and a chainsaw, and that was all it was. Whereas, like, Wolfenstein had all the different voices for all the guys, and they'd be angry or they'd be afraid or whatever, and you could tell what, you know, you could learn a little bit of German in the process even, you know. <laughs> Doom sucked, but then, like, Duke Nukem 3D came along, and it was like, okay, well, they stole all the stuff from Evil Dead and used Bruce Campbell voice samples, so that was cool again. Plus, it had the first animated pixel boobs I can remember in a game. <laughs> When was the last time you played D&D, Frank? Oh, a couple weeks ago, because I played with the kid. Right on. His main thing is to just kill everything. He doesn't usually... <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> only just now started to actually do things that don't involve kill everything, so that's good. We started doing the Star Wars game, too, and you can't really kill everything in that, so he's had to start using his brain a little more. Good, good. That's very good. Yeah, just, yeah we've been playing a game for the past, oh, God, how long has it been? 24? Yeah, since uh, 94. 94. So, all right, so 21 years we've had an ongoing game called 2020 shit it's gonna be 2020 soon we never thought we'd see the day <laughs> but uh, it's just bit your basic post-apocalyptic uh world with a bunch of other elements thrown into it a lot yeah, of elements from all t- different types of games that we create yeah, ourselves we basically took a hodgepodge of other role-playing games that ralphie had and matt had and stuff like that and we all kind of put them we kind of put them all together made like this one game Gave it a really brief kind of a backstory into the world at that time. And just started playing with rules of like two or three other games. (laughs) Right. Which was uh, very confusing in the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) But we kept it simple with the dice, though. I mean, we still love our 20-sided and our sixes and uh, 10s and 8s. But, I mean, we really simplified the, the throws and stuff. It is a dice-based game, but we're more into the story elements of it than the actual... Uh, well, you know what? I'd say it's about 50-50 with the, with the story and then the action. And uh, let's not... Uh, let's, we're not even going to glance over the, uh, over the years of trying to play this game and actively leave lives of, like, you know, young... Oh, responsible you know, adult lives. Red-blooded American male out there trying to get... Um, trying to get some action, and then, you know, you want to go ahead and have your role-playing game, and there was a lot of women that were not privy to that side of our life. Right, oh, but yeah. now it's a selling point. Yeah, it's Seriously. actually, I had a uh, proud papa moment uh, probably about, I don't know, six, eight months ago, because we had played this game so long, our kids kind of uh, watched us play the game over a while, and then um, the kids were sitting at the table, and my son was actually the GM of a quest, and he was doing it. And he was, and I was like, "Oh man, my son's sitting there. He's using his imagination. He's putting his his other cousins through these tasks and stuff, <laughs> and they're playing and respecting him as a GM. <laughs> they're not just trying to like, because you know, a couple of them are older than him, so they're like." They could be like, ah, whatever, Kanan. We're going to do it this way. (laughs) Right. And I was like, there you go, son. Control the game. Yeah, there you go. That's that's awesome. That's 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 great. And the thing was, is that we would we would switch GMs for the most part. But I would say that uh, Kurt probably took like 75 percent of the GMing duties, which is uh, not great when you have characters that you want to (laughs) develop. But in yeah. world shaping, though, it really kind of helps to have that that one um, kind of that one thing you can all latch on to and kind of uh, move forward from there. But uh, you know, I, I like GM and quests. I, I actually more I like uh, coming up with ideas for a GM to use on a quest. I'm I'm that guy. Yeah, actually, and I would have to say there has been times where Ralph has left his notes in like the folder. And I would see some stuff, and I would incorporate that into a quest. And it'd be nice to like see him when it, when the recognition kind of hits. He'd have that look like, I've, I've 
I've been here before. I, why is this yeah. sound so familiar? This- I think, and he's telling the other guys, I think I know exactly what we need to do next. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember playing with those guys that were like, they would stick to their script and he would be like, all right, well, I'm looking for the key underneath the, they're like, nope, it's not there. <laughs> all right, well, then I'm going to look under, nope, nope, it's not there. <laughs> And I'm like, well, well, what else is in this goddamn room? <laughs> Did you say you looked behind the picture on the wall? <laughs> uh, I looked behind the picture on the wall. There it is. I'm like, Jesus Christ. You could have just made it behind a goddamn bookshelf and kept it moving. That's somebody that only knows how to play the video game versions where you have to click on the right thing to make it happen. Right. And those right. games, I could not, I never was able to play uh, one of those role-playing games like in, uh, for like a video game like uh, Tomb Raider when it first came out. That shit made me go bananas. I'm like, I'm just walking in this room. I can't, wh- what do I do? What do I do next? 252. Robert Smith now looks like someone like, you know, half drowned and electrocuted Elizabeth Taylor and then left her out in the sun for too long. Nice. Like, it's like Liz Taylor hit by lightning. All right. Oh, no. And now, like, the last picture I saw, he got immensely fat again because he goes up and down still. Yeah. And, like, dude, you know, you're pushing the Sally Struthers here. It does not look pretty. <laughs> Do you mean that, that he's going to be on one of those uh, commercials then? You know, this was me before I started on. Well, uh, he might, but only if they have an ad for cocaine, you know. This this was me before I started taking cocaine again. And then I got <laughs> off the road, I stopped drinking and switched back to cocaine. And now here I am, you know. <laughs> Q. Lawrence, Lawrence, now I know why you quit and we kicked you out. and We let you come back. and but He's like the Cures version of Dave Mustaine. Pretty much, yeah. Like, let it go. Dave Mustaine, he can't even keep his own band together. It's now like Dave Mustaine and three hired hands, you know? That's not Megadeth. The only acceptable Megadeth is the one that was there for like several years in a row from 1990 to about 96. (laughs) The one that made Rust in Peace. I'll watch those guys. Otherwise, go home. And the rest of you are just trying to... Well, see, Mustaine did that, like, you know, he was injured, and he wasn't going to play again, and then he found Jesus, and then he could play again, and then he cried in a Metallica movie. So now he's like... You know, he's finally back to singing the old songs, I guess. But for a while there, he couldn't do like you know some of the stuff because it was too satanic or whatever. Like they weren't even. They should try stealing some Slayer tunes if that's the case. (laughs) Was that seriously? He he. uh... Yeah, he went Christian for a while there, and then the Megadeth shows were like, well, this is bizarre because this it it didn't it wasn't working. There was too many songs he had to avoid because the theme was dark or mentioned magic. You know, like dude, okay. But now he's back to playing the old songs. When he had his injury or whatever and couldn't play, he went in and remixed all the albums, not just remastered, but they took all the Megadeth albums from the first one up until wherever they were, and he replaced all the original drummers with drum machines. Oh. You know, so like if you listen to, if you go buy a Rust in Peace CD today, it, it's not the CD you used to have. It's got this really bad drum machine that's not even in the same pitch as the original drum parts. Original? Drum machine. Yeah. 
And they also, when they went to do that, found there were other things were missing. So he recut some of the vocals as a 20 years further aged individual that doesn't match his old voice at all. There's a couple spots where he re-sang things and messed up the lyrics so it's not even the same words it used to be. It's a crazy. It George Lucas to all the Megadeth albums. Original. Drum machine and new vocals. Give me alchemy, give me sorcery, give me wizardry, thermodology, electricity, masterologies, magic if you please, bring it to his knees. I was just gonna ask, is he the George Lucas of the music industry, or is that more prevalent than I would know? They do that a lot, but he did it the worst. A lot of the stuff that we used to think was drums was drum machines to begin with, but like now it's it's easy enough for them that they like what he did wasn't really sitting there reprogramming. They have a you know a plug-in for Pro Tools or whatever you're using that can listen to the drum tracks, especially if you have them individually mic'd as a kick drum and a snare and whatever else. So it just looks at it and goes, okay, well here's kick, snare, hi hat, whatever, and lets you pick new samples to, that trigger automatically wherever something was already played. So it's basically just replacing the old sound with the new and not having to do anything. But it makes it sound weird because it sounds fake and new. And it also is just a little tiny bit off in time because it takes a few milliseconds for that to trigger in, right? Right. So it's like if you're sensitive to that, like like a musician or someone who deals with it, you know, you can feel that like this isn't right. All the beats are off just a fraction of it, you know. So it's like, ugh, terrible. But it made, made the old records worth more money, though. Well, and, and what's the deal? Is that so that they can cut out like some of the musicians or something? Like not have to pay? Partly, he wanted to cut out some old musicians. Partly, he wanted them to all sound modern because they were sounding old. They destroy a lot of things to make it sound modern. You can make your old album sound as good as the remasters or better by just turning up the volume knob. But everybody wants it to be super loud coming out of their tin little iPod speakers when it's on two. Like, well, there are numbers beyond two that you could use that would do the same thing without having to destroy the music for those of us who use actual speakers. Right. If you look at what a waveform looks like and how they used to, you know, there's a center line and then there's the stuff that goes above and below it, like an electrical wave, right? The more round it is, the more analog or natural sounding your sound was captured and played back. Everything they remaster now, they pretty much have a giant square wave. So it's really hard on your ears, but it comes out of a little tiny speaker sounding like a bigger speaker. So, you know, the real reason for remastering everything is so they could sell people crappier speakers. Oh, gotcha. Like, we put shitty speakers in the cars and call them premium, so give us more money, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, what? dude, those used to be called 6 by 9s now they're called premium sound system. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of strange, actually, because, like, the technology has gotten to the point where, like, you could get relatively okay sound out of just about any system, sure. but nobody has, like, really great high-end stuff anymore, unless you want to pay, like, crazy. And that's one of the problems as a mastering person. Like, you know, even with CDs for the longest time, there was the baseline. Like, well, you can only go this loud, and then that's the loudest it is, is at zero, Right. Yeah. When they came out with tools that would let you basically push things over zero and compress it so they just got more squished instead of more loud, that's when things started going up. The CDs that we were buying in like 89 and 90, 
there was about a 12 dB difference between the quietest parts and the loudest parts. You know, so, like, if somebody hit, you know, a drum fill or a snare drum, it could, you know, it could come in with some power because it would build up to it and then be louder at the end or whatever. But now the average between the loudest and the quietest is about 4 dB, which is almost less than a human can hear. Right, right. So everything, everything constantly is loud. You know, there are no quiet parts in anything anymore. And the part, you know, the thing about music is the quiet parts are what make the loud parts feel cool. Right, right. You, you need that release. So it used to build up and pop. It can't just be loud in your first. Everything sounds like ministry 24 7. It's like, this is overkill. Like, why does Simon and Garfunkel clipping? There's no, no reason for this. <laughs> the thing, too, is like, well, 16 bit audio. You have 65,000 levels that you can represent a sample at. You know, from zero to the maximum. You know, in eight bit, like our old computers or Nintendo, you only have two hundred and fifty six levels. There's just a few steps, you know, so it's very computery. But a lot of these albums right now are using about four bits. So it might as well be floppy disk recordings instead of CDs or MP3s. But you know, people can't tell because the speakers suck. <laughs> right. So it goes. But I'm sure in another 10 years, everything will flip back around and they'll want to sell big speakers and tell you that they need to re-re-re-remaster everything again and buy it some more. Because they started, ran out of reasons to resell us the same crap. You can only buy Led Zeppelin for 11 or 12 times. Because <laughs> it is crazy, isn't it? Start to question the need for a new copy. You know? <laughs> oh, man. The new scam, too. You see the... Ultra Super Deluxe box set. Every Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd album has been released as like a 4 CD, 2 DVD, Blu-ray, and a 6 LP box set for like 250 bucks. Whoa, I don't think I need that much of that album. <laughs> Ever. Yeah. It's, and then it gets down to dumber. You know, like, well, even if you're something like, okay, that's legendary or whatever. It's been around for 40 or 50 years, but... You know, do we really need a four LP version of, of Nirvana album? Is it really necessary? We've got all those songs. They're not that old. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I've got to be honest. I mean, you'll probably want to strangle me, but I mean, unless this has been remixed, I can't usually tell like the remastering. I'm, I'm just Right. Not... Well, the sound, right. What you're hearing isn't really all that different most of the time anyway. And, uh, if you ever want to simulate it, just take the old version and turn it up. <laughs> there you go. Because that's how ears and speakers work. You know how you used to have to turn the thing up from zero to like three would be kind of quiet, and then it would get louder up to about five, and then like five to eight was getting too loud? Well, now they just skipped all those like one to fours and just start with five, you know? That's all they've done. It's like, this one goes to 11. That's all it is. They've just adjusted the knob so that you have to turn it less. I'm like, well, that was pointless. <laughs> The end result has made albums expensive as hell. So it's like, okay, well, you know, I'll sell a bunch of these while it's an expensive thing, and you know, I'm sure they'll be cheap again before too long. It'll, uh, it is kind of weird how it just kind of cycles, right? I remember, like, uh, clearly when everybody was ditching albums to get CDs when we were teens. Usually, you could some places even find like ten albums for a dollar used or whatever, where CDs were selling used for like ten bucks. Right. You know, now it's flipped around. CDs are easily, you know, 50 cents all over the place. Nobody cares. A cheap album that's a dollar is hard to find now. And if you do, it'll be scratched up and cruddy. Right. Right. 
Well, I mean, it, it is every vinyl album that you buy, is it all the same quality or are some of these plants putting out crappy stuff? The, a lot of the new stuff is crappy, yeah. And a lot of the new stuff is gimmicky. Like It's not really meant to necessarily be played as much as it is to be looked at and admired on the wall. Okay. Like, every picture disc sounds poopy, but they look neat. Iron Maiden reissues their entire catalog as picture discs. You're like, well, that's not exciting unless I want a collage. Right. <laughs> but I want to hear them. They're going to sound like crap. Right. Well, that's what I'm worried about is, like, this whole push that everyone has for going vinyl. Right. But the vinyl they're buying is shit, right? If it's some not- of it's good. Some of it is crap. But uh, a lot of them are playing it on crappy players, too. Right. The main, you know, that most popular player that shows up at all the stores for about a hundred bucks is a piece of complete crap. You know, and it's got like the same sort of needle on it that we used to have on our sound design and whatever all-in-one stereos that were destroying our records in the '80s. There's no, they don't have an adjustment for tracking for us or any of that stuff. You know, remember I used to put the nickels on things when we were, you know, make it not skip. Right. That was That's- terrible for the records, of course, but we didn't right. know. Right, that's like burning a group into it, right? Yeah, so now a lot of the, the players are doing that to slightly inferior pressings anyway. So, you know, a used record from the 60s usually sounds really good still, but a used record from three months ago might be complete garbage. Yeah. Pretty sad. And then there's Dark Side of the Moon, where until the CD came out, it was consistently in the Billboard Top 100, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Suddenly, people didn't have to wear out their records any longer. And now it's one of those things where you can buy the deluxe LP for 200 bucks. <laughs> right. Including all the versions you've bootlegged in between. 252. I was watching uh, Overboard so, because it was, it, it was right at the beginning. So I just started watching it. And, uh, yeah, I, I used to watch that show a lot when I was younger. Well, they had it on a, on a lot back then. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah, no, it's it. I saw uh, some <laughs> minutes of it a bunch of times, but I never watched the whole movie. You know, in the beginning, you'd probably like it because she's in, like, these really skimpy bathing suits. The best and... part I saw. Yes. <laughs> so, she had a really good body back then. I, I, oh, yeah. I she was seen her hot. Recently, but. We were talking about that the other day, and then everybody got off track and got worse about it. But uh, they had Wildcats in HD on the other day. I used to love that movie, too. That was great. Movie. We always liked the fact that you could kind of see her boobs in the tub in that one part. Oh, yeah. But in HD, you can see her everything in the tub. And then we're like, holy shit, look at Really? Like, I, I never noticed that was all there before, but there it is. <laughs> so I'm like foot backing it up and pausing, like, yep, that's definitely what I'm looking at. <laughs> like, oh, no but, way. I saw that at the movies and couldn't tell us what I was looking at. So the HD is clearer than the old shitty movie theater I went to. In the 80s, it, there was more, way more nudity than there is now. <laughs> I, well, maybe because everybody is made of plastic now and there's no variety anyway. Well, true. I guess in Hollywood, that's the case. <laughs> well, that's, that's where they make all that stuff. So, yeah. yeah, so. It seemed like every movie had blatant nudity. And, and well, all the yeah. R-rated ones, anyway. Even the, well, I don't know. Well, I, I never paid attention to the ratings. I just watched everything. <laughs> so I wasn't restricted. I was lucky. Now, or actually, I don't know if I was lucky. They just didn't care by the time it got to me. So 
It was whatever was on is what I ended up watching. So. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get to do that. So well, you didn't have cable. So we were, no, we were the see. first ones to get cable. So everyone used to hang out at our house. Well, and people used to have one TV. Yeah. Yeah, so that makes a difference. Now there's like 11 or 12, you know. Well, we had two usually. There was one in mom's room, and then there was the family room one. So if we wanted to watch, yeah, so the family room one was the main one. So, you know, we all, as a family, would watch, you know, primetime TV. <laughs> right. So there wasn't all that disappearing. Um, so I you know, would go in my room if I didn't want to watch stuff. But we always sat and watched the shows as, you know, TGIF, uh, the Thursday night shows and night court cheers. And those were the best. After all that, it turns out that Bill Cosby is a dirtier old man than Dan Fielding was. True, true. That's sad. (laughs) It is just really sad. But at the same time, can you see it? (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, sure. It's usually the guys that protest about that stuff that are busy doing that stuff, you know. Right. So, you know, all the politicians that are, you know, way against everything, and they're the dirtiest motherfuckers out there, you know. So, Finally watched the um, Captain America, the Winter Soldier one. I finally caught up and watched that over the weekend. Oh, yeah. I watched the Avengers movie, I think, last weekend so i'm trying to catch up on some of these movies because i'm way behind you know that it would actually be kind of fun to abstain from marvel movies for like a year and have to catch up like in one you know yeah and then watch them all well because i watched the marvel show the marvel agents of shield and they keep referencing stuff from the movie and, well, now the season's over. So I was like, well, now we need to go back and watch all the movies. And I need to watch the Iron Man movies because I haven't watched those yet either. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so way behind in all those. <laughs> okay. Well, I personally, I'm not a giant fan of the Iron Man movies anyways. I'm really? Pretty, yeah, I just didn't think that they, I don't know. I'm not a huge Robert Downey Jr. fan, so. Oh, see, you know, and I've I've always liked him. I've liked him since way back, Weird Science and, you know, oh, the, the 80s movies that he was in, yeah. So I, I've always liked him. I've got a buddy who is, you know, a huge comic book fan. He's in the movie industry uh, partially. And uh, he was blown away because he had never heard about the Wonder Woman story. This was like one of the last instances where he acted out before people decided he needed to go to rehab. He was in a hotel room locked in, and when they finally busted in, like all the furniture was trashed, everything was busted, and he's standing in the middle of the hotel room with a Wonder Woman costume on, going looking at them like they're the weirdos. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, I I figured that was just like you know common knowledge. You know, <laughs> like people were born with that info now. See that they should have cast him in that role instead of whatever you know woman they gave. It could have it could have added that star power to the Batman versus Superman movie. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Give him a couple eight balls, and maybe he'll be willing to do it. Probably so. And that would be more in line with the Wonder Woman from The Dark Knight Returns anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> Selena Downey Jr. 
And then we need Morton Downey Jr. to come in and sing an anti-drug song. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> I learned it from you, okay? Do you remember that Morton Downey Jr. CD? Oh, yeah. Hey there, Mr. Dealer. You drug-pushing son of a bitch. Messing up the minds of the kids of America just to make your fat ass rich. You're the sleaze bag of the country, the garbage of our land. The devil is awaiting just to welcome you to your eternal promised land. So take your drugs and shovel. We've had. Son of a bitch, we hope that you die slow. Remember how funny we thought that was, you know? Oh, well, it was when we were 14, you know. Oh, I know. Well, it's funny still, but I mean, we were probably the only 14 year olds who had any sense of what we were listening to. You know? <laughs> Crazy <laughs> irony of it. That's like, uh, you know what else is a very rare album is that old school album, man. Those uh, the punk rock kids, man, with Hot Dog Hell <laughs> and all those good songs. Oh, man. That's... Uh, like nobody bought that except us, you know. <laughs> there was a it lot was terrible too. See, I didn't start buying music until like nineties grunge. That's you know, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden. That's when I started buying music. But that's when I was like, you know, heart, heart of teenagerdom, you know. Oh, I started you know, buying I, records when I was like old enough to say, "Give me that." I was probably three or four. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I didn't do that. Uh, I was buying them myself by the time I was six. So, yeah. Because you could go to Kmart and shop as a six-year-old then. Oh, man. Now it's not such a good idea. But back then, you'd ride your bike up there, and you, you could buy a 45 and then put it over the handlebars and drive home, you know, ride home without breaking it. That's good stuff. <laughs> I, I, used, I used to take stuff from my brothers and my sister, but I never bought really my own stuff until way late. Well, yeah, you had other people to hear it from, but yeah. but see, you know, like Pat had other people to hear it from, but he didn't want to hear that shit. He wanted to hear his own shit. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you got some of your sister's taste. I don't think she picked up any of yours. Who, Carrie or Tammy? Well, Carrie probably did, but I don't think Tammy got anything from the constant array of rap music we used to play. <laughs> no, but I was pretty surprised, like about. 15 years ago or so she started to get like a more hard edge tour so she listened to like 50 cent came out she was listening to him and wow yeah yeah i was like well, where were you when i was a teenager <laughs> See, i was listening to you too stupid and <laughs> <laughs> still is. though my first concert was the grateful dead so you can't go wrong there oh my uncle had tickets, so um, it, it, he called up, and me and my brother went with him and his friend, and yeah, that was my first experience for a concert, and it was 
very interesting. <laughs> oh, but I'm I was sure. 16, you know, I was, I was kind of old for my first concert. He took everyone else to Huey Lewis, you know, when sports came out and I was at camp and I was oh. so mad. <laughs> so I was furious that they all went and I got left out because I was at camp and he took, my brothers, my sister, my cousins. He took everybody. Except <laughs> it's what I get for going to camp every summer. <laughs> that was your punishment. It was. I missed out. I missed out on every family trip. Though that's not really. Actually, that, that was a good thing that I missed out on those. But And then I missed out on the concerts. Because, yeah, my, my Uncle Doug, he was the cool uncle that took everybody to to see the concert probably a point when telling people that your first concert was huey lewis was probably you know there's at some point like telling your friends yeah my first concert was huey lewis probably people would have you know knocked your cred down a little bit anyway so you know in 84 85 you know that was, oh, okay. that was a cool concert to go to oh yeah well i mean i i thought i was awesome for my first concert being hall and Oates, but you know I saw them and they sucked. I saw them in like 97 and they were horrible. (laughs) It was like all new stuff. And we're like, what are you doing playing all the new stuff? Where's, you know, one-on-one and, you know, where's all the old stuff? If they had horribly played old material, you still would have thought it was good. But since they were playing new stuff, it was no good, you know. Well, and then we were really upset because, uh, well, Steve Miller also played that summer and they rapped during Fly Like an Eagle, and we're like, what is going on here? <laughs> we're in some alternate dimension. They can't rap during Fly Like an Eagle. That was like, it's wrong. <laughs> I guess, but it would be pretty awesome if Bushwick came out and did, like, Gangster of Love over the Joker, so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be something. Or if Willie D, come on. <laughs> Steve Miller with special guest Willie D. I've never been played by hope. She's acting stupid. She's gotta go. So motherfucker miss sad. If she fucks with me, I'ma kick her little monkey ass. See you hoes got it wrong. Think since a nigga say love ya, he ain't strong. Bitch, you take your shit the wrong way. And I can tell right now, it's gonna be a long day. And after that, you'll earn your gloves. <laughs> Just call me the gangster blood. Well, just, you know, it wasn't that long ago that people would have thought that Dido and uh, uh, Eminem would never be able to mash up, right? Yeah, that's true. Eminem mashes up well with all kinds of things. Bitch don't got a cuss in his raps to sell records. Nope. Well, I do. So, came and too. Think I give a damn about a Grammy? Half of you critics can't even stomach me, let alone stand me. But then, what if you win? Wouldn't it be weird? Why? So you guys can just lie to get me here so you can sit me here next to Britney Spears? We have to hide that tape. Tape was. Somebody say, hey, we want some pussy. 
a big, this tape contains explicit lyrics. You know, the heat sticker half the size of the cassette. Remember those things, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you My know. Mom, Your mom wasn't having mom, that either, yeah. She first heard someone saying something was dope on a rap, and she was like, dope? What's dope? Ain't nothing dope. And I was like, uh-oh, here we go. And, of course, my brother <laughs> fell in love with Public Enemy and all that stuff in the beginning. So he was the one that was sneaking away listening to music. <laughs> he was a bad influence on you. <laughs> <laughs> right? Shit, talk about bad influences, man. You were the bad influence on me. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, all that stuff that I uh, I had no idea about back then, man. I mean, I was still in the, like, Dougie Fresh and, you know little stuff like that i may have heard lottie dotty there was a little bit of uh cussing on that but not much i said cheer up i gave her a kiss i said you can't have me i'm too young for you miss she says no you're not then she starts crying i says i'm 19 she said stop lying i says i am go ask my mother and with your wrinkle pussy i can't be a lover to the tick tock, you don't stop. To the tick tick, and you don't quit. Hit it. But then, shoot, you broaden the hell out of my horizons. So I was like, wow, this stuff exists. This is awesome. Well, I don't think it it, it did until around that time because I was listening to the same stuff you were as a Fat Boys and you know Dougie Fresh and whatever was on the radio. And then we found that but underground I, stuff. Yeah, and when that happened, oh man, that just opened up a slew of infinite possibilities. <laughs> That was great. And really, they led us directly to those albums by putting those stickers on there because we didn't know what was what was we were supposed to avoid until they told us to avoid it. <laughs> it was the, uh, no, don't, don't look down. Don't look down. Uh, of course I'm going to look down. Exactly. So that, but somebody knew that. You know, they're like, how can we sell this stuff directly to kids? I know. We'll tell them they can't have it. Mm-hmm. The music business. <laughs> Wasn't that the Tipper Gore thing? Wasn't that her, her movement? Yeah. Well, she was yeah. part of, she was part of it, but you know whoever the was PMRC. paying their funding was you know the record industry. So yeah, <laughs> PMRC, like Ice T said, you stupid fucking assholes. <laughs> he really railed against the PMRC, man. All against, all about the freedom of speech. Well, they eventually cost him money with that cop killer stuff. Yeah, that was a bit no, aggressive. Let me tell you a story. A few years back, I heard about a rapper named Ice-T, whose cop killer's CD was about murdering police officers. It was being marketed by no less than Time Warner, the biggest entertainment conglomerate in the world. Police across the country were outraged, rightfully so. But Time Warner was stonewalling because it was a cash cow hit CD for them. And the media were sort of tiptoeing around the thing because it was a the rapper was black let me uh, give you a sample of some of the uh, lyrics that had some of the older ladies among the stockholders white with dismay language they had never heard before i got my 12 gauge sawed off i got my headlights turned off i'm about to bust some shots off i'm about to dust some cops off <laughs> yeah, it's true. But it was great, though. I mean, 
uh, we were prime listening age for that shit. Oh yeah, sure. And now that song is tame by comparison to most of the things. Yeah. What was that group? Uh, Body Count. Yep. And then when they came out, I just remember. For me, I remember it was like Ice T trying to uh, break through the glass ceiling by fusing that rap rock kind of genre. That's probably how he wound up doing TV now, you know. It's like he, he got enough audience of all kinds at that point. For exactly. Reasons. He's been on the uh, Law & Order for like 20 years now, and most people don't even remember him as a rapper. It's like, oh, he's such a cool guy. I'm like, that's Ice-T. You used to not like <laughs> <Yeah>. Ice-T. <laughs> <laughs> it, it has come full circle. That's real. <laughs> if you guys got a chance to see that uh, Creed trailer. Oh, I yes. did see that, yeah. Uh, I know it's it's not technically Rocky Seven, it's Creed One, but still, with that being in the Rocky universe, I mean, I'm I'm really a fan of Michael B. Jordan. I've been a fan of his ever since. Uh, like I used to watch The Wire on HBO. Yeah, he was a little kid in that, oh. and then um, uh, Friday Night Lights. I don't know if you guys ever saw that show. It was like a football, football. high school football. Mm-hmm. And the kid, yep. he just really had some, as a young actor, really good acting chops. And now as you see him doing these other roles and they're, I mean, Jesus Christ, he's Johnny Storm, for God's sakes. Yeah, I mean, right. You're talking about, let's uh, break through the, uh, the, the, the color bubble there. Right. But wait a minute, that's not canon. <laughs> uh, he's orange when he's on fire, so whatever, you know. That's what I'm saying, right? <laughs> and the king, the kingpin wasn't black either. Neither was Nick Fury. I mean, well, yeah. They keep taking pieces of Ultimate Marvel when they make the movies, and that's why, because Ultimate Nick Fury is t- totally is Samuel L. Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And the exactly. Avengers movie is pretty much the ultimates, you know, as far as the the costuming and the character tone and everything. I haven't, I haven't I, picked up a comic in a long time. Yeah, I know. I had my comic book saver going way longer than I should have. <laughs> my comic book <laughs> saver it? lasted as long as comics and comics did in the mall. When oh, they yeah. shut down, that was like, I got nowhere else to go. <laughs> so I guess I'm cut off, man. <laughs> when was that? When did they shut down? Oh, my God. I cannot remember the year, but I know I was still holding on to probably about 15 different titles. All right. And I was the guy that they always, yeah, I was the guy that they were always calling, hey, are you going to come down and pick up your comics? (laughs) Getting pretty thick. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll be there. And I'll drop like 30, 40 bucks or whatever and just clean it out. And they're like, yeah, I'll be back in a couple months, bitches. (laughs) Back it up. (laughs) I was buying them again in the like early 2000s until I had a kid and then couldn't afford them. But things were getting ridiculously priced at that point. And now it's like $3.99, $4.99 a book. You know, I remember yeah. when I used to have like 20 titles a month, that's a lot of money. <laughs> you know? Exactly, yeah. It, it did sure. get kind of expensive. Yeah, I remember when they made that jump from like a buck to a buck and a quarter. It's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> it seemed like when gas prices went from like, yeah, you know, uh, 99 cents a gallon in like 1990 to like, 
a dollar twenty five in two thousand, and all of a sudden, then it's going from a dollar twenty five to a dollar fifty to two two twenty five three bucks. It mm-hmm. kind of excelled like that, like at a rapid rate. Because I remember uh, Ralph and Tommy, everybody was like reading. My, I was like the only one still buying it. <laughs> so I just read uh, mine. Yeah. It's like it's like, too hey, expensive. When, when you're done. With- when you're done with that comic, hey, pass that my way, and then uh, you know I'll pass it to whoever's next. Cause. So all right, well, each one of you guys owes me a dollar. <laughs> That's yeah. how you do that. You know? that. See, that was back when we were all living together. So right. for I remember for a couple of months we were getting triples of everything, and we we're all reading the same stuff. So I was like, why are we getting triples of everything? Just get some, one person get the comics, and then we'll all read them. Yeah, that sounded like that was a roommate meeting that happened that I wasn't in on. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, Tom and I said, why, <laughs> Tom, Tom and I said, why are we still buying comics? Let Kurt buy the comics and we'll just read his. Smash cut a couple of years later, I got my entire childhood living in comic book boxes and my ex-wife is selling them in garage sales. Oh, no, that's not good. Yeah. Unbeknownst. Yeah. Finally, when she ended up moving out of her house, my oldest son was uh, like his uncle found a couple of stashes of my comic book boxes like up in the rafters in the garage and he was trying to hide it under blankets and stuff so he can smuggle it back to the house for dad (laughs) god love that boy he's daddy's little soldier he was like oh these are dad's comics one time i got fired from a guy five times Rehired, re- wait, were you rehired four times then? Hired four hired times. Once. <laughs> Fired five times. After the last, it was done. And I looked at him, he looked at me, I said, you know what? We've been doing this dance for years. I'm going to go. All right? I'll go. But just remember, you know, you're going to need me again before I need you. <laughs> Has he called on you yet? Uh, well, there was that one time that I ran into him in the grocery store. And uh, uh, he gave me this sob story because uh, he had a falling out with his son and his son wasn't right. allowing him to see his grandson anymore. Right. And so he was kind of coming to me on the, hey, can you kind of, without really asking me, he was like, hey, man, can you like talk to my son so I can have a relationship with my grandson oh, again? And he wanted you to be the go-between in that situation? Yeah. And I was, the only thing I was thinking is, dude, you fired me five fucking times. <laughs> And I knew you're going to come in me hat in hand because, you know, of course, this was what happened to evil people in the world. He ended up getting real sick. I don't know what it, it was like, diabetes or something. One of those that starts with a D. I don't know. He was shriveling up and <laughs> turning away. He was, it was like he was with the bandana on and everything. He was like, oh, you're, you're dying, yeah. right? <laughs> Die slow, motherfucker. And so I was like, oh. Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, he fired me five times. What do you want? So, <laughs> you deserved at least three of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did not. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But yeah, uh, I did eventually end up going to his son and just telling him the story that, hey, man, a couple weeks back, I ran into your dad, man. And I was like, ooh, God. He goes, he's, yeah, he's dead now. Yeah. Thanks. No, no, no. As a matter of fact, I think the guy is still alive. It's crazy. It's like he's just hanging on for dear life. But whatever. I mean, 
do what you got to do. But uh, I, I remember I was talking to him. I was like, yeah, I kind of ran into him. And he just kind of mentioned to me. And then he was just like, and that's where the conversation ended. He was like, yeah, man, my dad, he's, he's dead to me. And I was like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, he was looking like he had one foot in the grave and one on a banana peel. But he, he didn't care. Yeah, because his son married a black woman and ended up having a half black kid. And no, um, she's half black, so the kid's a quarter black. I, re- I remember there was a there was a dinner. The whole story, well, exactly how black are you? I know I'm, <laughs> but it's one of those. Well, exactly how black are you? I'm black, y'all, and I'm black, y'all, and I'm blacker than black, and I'm black, y'all, and I'm blacker black, blacker than black, black. I'm blacker than black, yo, because I'm black and I'm black. See, Dad, this Ooh. is why. This is why I can't. This is why we can't take you to things. I know. And I, I, I remember enduring some of the racist jokes and all that stuff. And it's like, man. And at least the thing about his son is that he did stand up. And he was always like, man, come on. Come on. Let's not do this. <laughs> always. And that's what always happens to the racist, man. You're going to be racist. You're going to have a black person in your family. <laughs> that's how it happens. You don't like gay people. Your yeah. son or daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, my first wife, that situation was just like that. Her parents were racist. Her dad didn't mm-hmm. like blacks. Mom did not like Mexicans. What happens? Right. The daughter marries a black guy. The son marries a Mexican. They got half black and Mexican grandbabies. <laughs> yep. But of course, now the way they are with their grandchildren, you would never, you would ever, never ever know. know. <laughs> you never know. know. That they had that, never in that past. But back in the day, you look, yeah, they, they was them. They was those people, you know. <laughs> right. But sometimes it works out that way, you know. But again, that job that I got fired for five times, I wouldn't even have got that job if Ralphie didn't get fired first. <laughs> <laughs> Did I get Ralph fired? Had, yeah, I, I think it was a, uh, I think they said uh, it wasn't going to work out because you, they thought you looked like a criminal and they didn't want you in people's oh. houses. <laughs> right yeah they wanted me to cut my hair that's what it was yeah you had the long dreadlocks at that time and you had tattoos and they were like yeah. you look like a criminal we don't want you representing the company going to people's right. houses and, and i was and like listen to this tattoos and dreadlocks mid 90s mid to late 90s but it's it was like a clean cut look though i mean it wasn't willy-nilly prison tattoos i had like two tattoos back then <laughs> On my shoulders. Yours was like salon quality dreadlocks. They were clean. <laughs> I'm saying my hair was always neat and clean and shit, clean cut, but that wasn't good enough. So uh, your skin was like, black, right. and that's why you no, did it. I was like, right, I forgot like, about that. Yeah. You're black. Don't want you setting our, our company with that <laughs> look on your face. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually got originally hired in a affirmative action type because the guy was so upset that his dad let his friend go because he was black. It was almost like my next friend you will hire and and he's even darker and more prison looking than the first guy. That does it for this episode. Check out our website at RetroNerds252.com for show notes and links, and anytime you'd like to interact with us. Beginning Friday, July 17th at midnight, you can also check us out on Cave Radio Broadcasting at CaveRadioBroadcasting.com. Thanks for listening. Let's fade away to the sound of Frank Zappa's guitar.
Mm -hmm. Ah, ah, Adonis, pull yourself together.